0: Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there, welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 246 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing what we should keep and how we should store it. I often discuss decluttering on this podcast, letting go of things, getting rid of things, passing things on. And only very rarely do we discuss what to keep. So that's what we're doing today. I am speaking with author, hoarding expert, and TV personality, Matt Paxton. Matt is the author of a new book that's out right now. It's titled, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff, Declutter, Downsize, and Move Forward with Your Life. So, today's show is in three parts. In part one, we are going to discuss old photographs, how to pare them down, but then more specifically, what to do with the ones we've decided to keep. In part two, we are discussing important papers. Do we need to keep seven years worth of tax documents and all our receipts? That's part two. And then in part three, we are discussing Matt's concept of the legacy list. What are the five to six items in your home that best tell your story? We're going to get into part one of today's conversation with Matt after a quick word from today's first sponsor. And we are back with Matt Paxton. Matt, I am so thrilled to talk to you today. How are you? I'm good.
1: Thanks for having me. I apologize for being in my car. I have seven children and I got kicked out of my house. So I'm up the street.
0: Okay, well, I just love that you're in your car. You are the first guest to ever be in the car when I interview. So I love it. Why don't we start by you introducing yourself to my listeners, anybody who doesn't know who you are. How did you find yourself helping others declutter?
1: If you don't know me, I'm on that TV show Hoarders. I'm also on The Legacy List with Matt Paxton on PBS. But I've been helping people for about 20 years. My dad, my stepdad, and both my grandfathers died when I was 24. And I had to clean out the four houses. It was a really awful job. I didn't have really have a job in life at that point. And I was just trying to find my way. And I was a, a very immature kid. And I remember I cleaned up the houses and I enjoyed getting the stories. And my grandpa always said, if something sucks, do it as a job. People would pay you to do it. And he was right. And so I remember thinking, like the third house, I was like, boy, this sucks. This would be a good business. And I started just cleaning the house. And at church, it was a bunch of old ladies that would hire me. I quickly found out that I really enjoyed super messy homes. And so that's how I got into the hoarding work, just that nobody else really wanted to do it.
0: You do say, I've heard you say before, that people don't miss their stuff, but they miss the people and the stories behind their stuff. Can you talk to me a little bit about that, especially working with an older clientele? it's definitely more about the memories and the stories. Would that be right? Yeah. So about 10
1: years ago, my clients started, I, I do this on TV, but I do it in the real world too. And I've been been doing it for 20 years. And my clients would call me and say, I'm not a hoarder. I just got a lot of stuff. I've lived in this house for 50 years. And so I really started focusing on the downsizing. And what I found was like, China is the greatest example, All right, The worst item in downsizing, your set of China. It takes up a ton of space and you use it at best once a year, maybe twice. But it's people hold on. That was my great aunt's China. That was my grandma's China. That was my mom's China. And so they they have an emotional tie because they remember all these great times with people using that China. Or they remember when times were better or, or easier or more fun. And um, by the way, they weren't it was just, we were young. Like I tell people all the time, oh, I remember it was so great back then. I'm like, man, that was right in the middle of the depression. Like Times were not great, but they remembered a quick minute that was great. And so that's what that item reminds us of is a, a happy time, a happy moment. And, and I'll argue, man, we're at a point in the, in the world right now where we all need happy times. And so it's important that we need to get rid of some stuff, but we need to talk about the memories more. And it probably took me 10 years of cleaning houses before I really started focusing on the stories as much as the stuff.
0: When we're talking about focusing on stories, that's a perfect segue into what I first want to talk to you about today, which is photographs. We're living amidst the digital revolution, but still so many of us have piles and piles of physical photographs. Throwing them out doesn't personally sound like the right choice, but keeping every single photograph that we've ever taken or has ever been given to us also does not sound like the right choice. So talk to me about photographs. When you go into somebody's house, how do you deal with the boxes of photos?
1: So boxes right there is one of the challenges. I like to say, let's get it down to a box, a singular box. So I do the easy stuff first. All right. I get the duplicates out. They're gone. Because so many of us have those old hard copies from CVS. It was people's drug back then. Fox photo, one hour photo, all these different photo places. Just sort through and get rid of the duplicates. That's going to knock about a third of the volume out right there. Then go through the generic landscapes. These are places you do not know what they are. It's just like a random beach. There's nobody in the picture. A tree, right? You don't know where this place If you don't know where this place is and you don't have a memory of it, you can get rid of it. The third one is a new one. If you don't like the people in the picture, <laughs> throw it away. I know that sounds crazy, but I've had so many clients say to me, like, oh, I can't stand that lady. Why are you holding on the picture? And somebody might want it someday. Like, you're not a library. You don't have to keep it. So we get rid of the, the duplicates, the generic landscapes, and quite honestly, the people you don't like. And now the, the fourth one is questionable. Some people like it, some people don't. I, I swear by it. If you don't know the name of anyone in the picture no one. Like Virginia Beach, 1980, you don't remember anybody. Do you really need that? I think we are afraid to go through them. And what I found is you you warm up with those generics and, and that what those first four rules, and that helps you get rid of about half of them right there. And then you can start to make the real hard decisions, which is, okay, do I really need 10 of my Aunt Becky? Let's pick one of Aunt Becky that I really love. And that's where it gets harder. But I promise you, if you do those four easy ones, that's going to let you start to have a little space to breathe. And you're, you're gonna have two or three empty boxes by then.
0: I'm wondering though, how do you deal with clients who feel as though um, they are the memory keeper, the, the vessel to hold all the family photographs? How do you help people get rid of the guilt associated with getting rid of photographs if they feel in their souls they are the legacy keeper of a family?
1: So that's a challenge is a great question, by the way, that is challenging because some people actually are, that's like their job in the family. I do a lot of work with people from the Mormon faith and they're very clear about it. They actually communicate a lot better. They say you are the person in charge of keeping the families in this family and they're really big into genealogy. And so if you have a, a strong genealogy play in your family, then you're going to sign somebody and then that's fine. That's their job. And I actually honestly give that person a pass. But if you're just looking for your self-worth and saying, I'm the self-appointed family person, and that's 80% of the time, by the way, again, and this is what I learned in hoarding, anytime we keep too much of stuff, it's because we're looking for happiness and self-worth in stuff. Some people look for it in in alcohol, in drugs, in education, in, I know a guy that's got three PhDs. I think one's good, right? Like you could do anything's extreme, faith, exercise. And so I compare all those. I know that sounds crazy. I'm comparing all those together, but we're looking for that happiness and self worth, value ourselves in stuff. And so if you're doing that in pictures, you got to step back and say, "Man, what am I doing here, man? Like, why am I? Why do I really need this to be so important?" But the guilt, you—that's honestly the—that's that's something you have to recognize, acknowledge, and then you have to release it yourself. And so we're, I'm really big on that. I talk a lot about in the book, like 55 and older. You guys, I'm 47, so I'm close, but like. For some reason, fifty under 55, man, we do not have that guilt. We just don't. My mom just downsized, and I watched her, she's holding all this stuff for dead people. They're all gone. They don't exist anymore, and they're not coming back, like it or not. And I'm getting really brutally honest here, because a lot of times I see people holding their life. They're not moving forward because they feel their job is to be the, the record keeper of the family. And I'll see them storing things for family members that, Either have passed away or are clearly adults. I'm holding your son. She said, oh, "I'm holding that lamp for my son." Great. How old's your son? Well, he's fifty three. If he hadn't taken it at fifty three, he's probably not going to take it. But like, but what the point of that is? You're missing a modern part of your life because you're holding on to things for the past. And so when I say with pictures, are we holding on to so much of the past, documentation of the past, that we're not living forward? Right. We're not actually having a real life. And so. It takes a lot of brutal self-awareness and self-honesty to acknowledge, hey, I don't have to keep all these pictures. And one way to test that is tell your family members, like, hey, if you want them, come get them by X day and put a time limit on it. And if no one shows up, guess what? They don't care. And that should give you the freedom of the guilt.
0: Yeah, I like that. Absolve yourself of the role of the legacy keeper. You're not the only person in the family. <laughs> Other people can take some of these pictures.
1: <laughs> and by throwing it out at them saying, hey, if you want these, come get them. And, I, and you can do that with any item. I'm just using this rule with pictures. Because pictures, people don't think they take up a lot of space. I've seen entire rooms taken up with pictures. They take up an insane amount of mental space, though, because it's something you got to get to. It's something you got to. And it's a, it's a whole thing. It's not an hour. It's a whole, I need two weeks to, to do that. That's what weighs us down. And that's what is heavy on us. Decluttering is more mental than physical.
0: One more question about pictures before we move on to papers. How do you suggest we store the pictures that we choose to keep in an album, digitized? How do we keep them in a way that pictures are meant to be looked at? So how do we store them? And where do we store them in a way that they actually get looked at and aren't just sitting in a box in the attic?
1: I love it. All right. I hate boxes and I hate frames. Get them out of boxes. Get them. Stop buying frames. you got enough and get rid of them. I'm done. And I actually hate old photo albums too. They're supposed to be shown, right? So you either digitize the ones you want. I actually love digital frames. I'm a big Nixplay guy. It's a more modern. It's not like it's not your mom's old digital frame as they joke. It's a good digital frame that me and my brothers can, we can put stuff on my mom's frame and we just, we take pictures on our phone. We put it into the app and it goes up great. So don't be afraid of those. Explore them. I'm big on Nick's Play. Also, I think the bigger thing, where do you you display it? It's really got to be like, what suits you individually? My mom, we put that frame right next to her TV. I've seen a lot of the new smart TVs. You can actually just put the pictures on the TV, which is awesome. You got to put it where you're going to see it, where you're going to display it. As you just said, it's got to be something you share with people. We've all got old cell phones that are in our drawer, desk drawer, that have all the good pictures on them. We haven't done anything with them. Get them off the old cell phones, get them into one place, one digital place. And and I've actually started hiring professionals on this. There's a whole thing about professional photo organizers and that's called the photo managers. A lot of people are finding local professional photography organizers. Don't be afraid to have one come in and make sense of it. I had a lady the other day that found an old trunk. She loved this old military trunk in her house. She wanted to keep it. It was a big steamer trunk and we put it on its side. And we, we got those strings with the clips on it. And we were able to put about 12 to 15 pictures hanging in that trunk. And she has that in her living room now. And she's like, it's cool. I do seasonal parts of the pictures." So she goes, I put my Christmas ones up from the past. And then when that's done, I come in and I put my spring ones. And so she's got four or five sets now that she's going to rotate in and out. And so that's an old school physical picture, but she put it as a place in the, she doesn't have a hundred of them. She's got 15. So she really curated her part. Be intentional with what you're trying to show. And I stop living so much in the past. This is something I've really learned a lot with downsizing. Hoarders either lived in a, in a fake future or a perfect past. And I found that we all really, but none of us are living in the now. Don't forget to have space for a picture from yesterday or even the one that's going to happen next week.
0: I totally agree with that. Pictures in the attic are doing nobody any good. I'm
1: going to get in trouble if I don't say this. Cotton gloves. You need to have cotton gloves when you're going through the pictures. And acid-free boxes. You can get them on a lot of organizing websites. I'm really big on those, those no acid boxes or sleeves. And then I don't keep the negatives. I'm old school, man. I Get rid of them. Throw them away.
0: Who uses their negatives? Who has ever taken a negative <laughs> and done anything with it?
1: No, no one. Maybe one person. And you know what? Good for them.
0: We're going to talk about important papers, which ones we should keep and where we should keep them after a quick word from this week's sponsor. And we are back with Matt Paxton. He's the author of the new book, Keep the Memories, Lose the Stuff. We are on to part two of today's episode where we're talking about important papers. My first question for you is, what is an important paper from your perspective? And where should we keep them? Where, What should we do with them?
1: All right. I'm going to start with where we should put them first, and then I'll come back to what we want to keep. Two places. You got to have a physical and you have a digital copy. I'm all about having a really safe, secure digital space. It needs to be password protected you need to know the password. Remember that you have the password written down. I'm Dropbox. I'm old school. So we use Google. There's lots of companies, trustworthy. There's all these places you could use. I have a Dropbox that's secured and I have a safe. I'm really big on safes, document safes. I keep all of my really important physical copies, which is passport, driver's license, death certificates, marriage certificate, social security number. Now our vaccine cards. Those are going to be really important documents. Taxes, I digitize my taxes. I'll be honest. I don't keep the physical copy. I have kept them seven years. That's the firm number. But you can digitize all but last year, honest. You can digitize them all. I actually have my password for my digital place. I have that in my physical safe. Most photo organizers will tell you, back up your backup. So they'll actually have the digital where you can have it protected online. And then they have a, like a flash drive where they put a digital copy of everything. And then they put that inside their safe with the actual physicals. Medical records, if it's if there's a legal situation there, you want to hold them for up to five years. Your legal documents, it is two years after the court case has settled. You don't want to keep that for two. The, one, the main one people ask about is the taxes, and it is seven. You need that for seven. But you can do it digitally. You don't have to have it physical. And that takes up a lot of space, by the
0: way. So you have a physical safe in your house. Oh, yes. Do you also sometimes recommend people have a safe outside of the house or no?
1: I cannot tell you how many bank boxes I have found keys to. And I'm like, where's this bank box located? I got no idea. Got it from my mom. So there's a bank box somewhere. No one knows where it is. I'm not into bank boxes. I'm not in independent saves. Have it with you. They're very affordable now. They're very, they're very secure. You can have it, which literally, it's just your thumbprint or a fancy code. I've seen old stocks. There's still stock certificates that have not been converted to digital. That's something you want to put in there. You want to have a sheet with all your bank record, you know, where all your bank accounts. I do put your social media passwords in that same folder because if you pass away, I cannot tell you how many family members have asked me, hey, we can't turn off mom's Facebook account. Like it's still active and mom's been gone six months. And it's weird when you see things posting and you're like, yeah, it's actually harder to turn those off after she's passed away. Any documents like wills, power of attorneys, all those things for states, all those things, you want to have all those backed up as well. Again, digitally on the flash drive. And then I put it physical in that safe. I'm big on saves.
0: You mentioned tax documents. You have to keep those for seven years, but that doesn't then also mean that you need to save every receipt and every bill that you get. Is that right? Because, And I'm asking this on a personal level because my husband has file cabinets filled of every bill he's ever paid, every receipt he's ever taken home from the gas station. And I, as a minimalist, think that's pretty excessive. So help me out.
1: <laughs> I don't want to say this, but you're right in this scenario. All right. So if he's listening, she's right. (laughs) You you really just need the most recent bank statement. This counts for bills. It counts for uh, credit card statements. It counts for bank statements. You need the most recent one. That's it. I do keep the year end physical. And honestly, most of our banks are trying to get us to go to digital anyway. For me, I'm a geek about organizing. There is nothing better to me. The coolest thing in the world is to see a document on your computer that says like bills and you open it up and it has them all like bank, credit card, like it's all super organized. And you just click on the last one. And I love that when I see a family that has actually taking the time to p- proper organization to that. Because then not only do you know where things are, you're saving like hours of trying to find stuff. It's like trying to find your keys. You don't know where they are in the house. If you have all the bills digitized in one place on your computer, it's very easy to find and it saves you stress. You're a lot happier. And yeah, you don't have to keep all that stuff. So what do you do with all the stuff that he's got? You digitize the last one. That's it. And and at the end of the year, you just need, you really just need the year end. And that's
0: it. Okay, well, that that brings me to my final question in the paper segment, which is thinking about my husband's gigantic file cabinets filled with receipts and bills. When you're working with a client, how do you responsibly discard of all this stuff? Do you have a shredder? Do you what do you do? Do you cut the addresses off? Like, how do you dispose of this stuff in a way that's not going to get your identity stolen?
1: Yeah. So identity theft is the issue here. And that's real. Okay. It absolutely happens, especially with my, my, my age group. I'll be honest, we see a lot. my mom wouldn't know for months if her identity was stolen. My kids would know in an hour. Older people, I include myself there, I wouldn't know. So I'm really big on shredding, hire a professional shredder. Have them show up at your house. You're going to spend $150 to $250 for this. But in your case, you're probably going to be 300 $400. But they literally shred it right there in front of you, All right. Like you see it. And also, they they have some carry the boxes for you. So if you're not able to carry all the boxes, that helps. A lot of banks, a lot of community organizations, they have shredding events. And I think it's okay to take all your boxes there and take advantage of that. They have free shredding events. Take it there. But I don't like those little pocket shredders, those little small little shredders. I'm more about taking a professional grade shredder. They're going to recycle that paper and they give you a certificate saying, hey, this has all been you know shredded. So I, I just like the peace of mind of having a professional do it. But expect a bill. Sorry, that's not cheap. That is going to be a couple hundred dollars. And you have to understand that's the price of mental freedom.
0: Now, I would totally pay that bill <laughs> to not have my identity stolen, right?
1: Well, thing, like, yeah, to keep your identity safe and to get the space back in your house.
0: So we're on to part three of today's show, and we are talking about your concept of the legacy list. It's the name of your show, and I love the concept because the decluttering conversation always is framed around what we're getting rid of, what we're making space for. But the legacy list is all about what can we keep to best, I would say, tell our story. So talk to me, what is a legacy list and why do we need one? All
1: right. It started off a little morbid. Honestly, I was again, I lost my dad, my stepdad and all, all my grandfathers and my grandmother, honestly, in two years. And so for me, it was like, how are these telling their story when they leave? What is your legacy? I'm not again, I'm only 47. My dad died when he was 52. So I think about that kind of stuff. And so if I died today, how would people remember me? And so for me, it's a it's a list. It's five items, five to six items that best tell your life story. I used to say to people when I clean their house, hey, man, if your house catches on fire, what do you want to grab? And I would give them a piece of paper. They'd write 50, 60 items. And then I'd get an an old stopwatch, by the way. This is how long ago that was. An actual stopwatch, not a phone. And I'd hit it and I'd be like, great, your house is on fire. You got 30 seconds, man. Go grab however many you can on this list. And they'd be like, and they might get one, right? And so that was the kind of the beginning of this. But at the end of the day, it's a list of items that really tell your family story. And they're the most important items. Once you get the list going, you got to tell the stories to the items. And then all of a sudden, families care more about it and what I've learned on the decluttering side is when you go through that first five or six items on your legacy list people stop and they want to hear and then they start saying oh gosh I want that plate now I didn't realize the story behind that and so we thought people didn't want our stuff my clients tend to be 65 and older and they think nobody wants their stuff and what we found is they didn't know the stories if they knew the stories they would want some of those items
0: huh I love that. You said so much there that really spoke to me. You said how the stuff in a legacy list is never expensive. It's more about keeping the stories alive. And more than that, it's bringing the family together around the story, around the centralized family theme. So for anybody listening who wants to create their own legacy list, how do they get started? But more importantly, where do they store or how do they store these items? I know in your book, you have give the example of a man. One of his items on his legacy list is his father's suit. Like, how do you store this stuff?
1: Just like we talked about on the pictures, these items are meant to be shared, right? You can't tell the story if it's stowed away in a box. So they need to be predominantly sh- spaced in your house. You need to be able to see them. And I've seen some people just have a little area. Say, This is my legacy list area. I'm like, you understand, for me, this is amazing. I want people... What's the list where you, you do all the things you've always wanted to do in your life? The bucket list, right? Everybody's got a bucket list. I want everybody to have a legacy list. I know that sounds crazy, but I want people to really get used to saying, these are my five items that matter because then family members are like, I want that item. Like they're, they're about, They know where it is. They want it because they love the story. And then they create their own as well. I say they need to be out and proud, like in the main room, living room, family room, kitchen, or wherever your family spends the most time, do it. Pandemic was really cool for me because I saw a lot of families do a legacy list like Zoom. And grandma would get up online and show. Five, basically, it was an adult show and tell. Grandma would tell four or five items. She'd tell the stories behind it. And then they would be able to hit record. And so the family now has a digital, really, copy of grandma sharing her, her legacy list. And what I didn't think was like, I realized later, it was like, oh, my gosh, people will watch this back. In 10 years, I'll be like, man, look at Uncle Johnny, like he was skinny and he had hair. It becomes almost a mixture of a show and tell and a family reunion and almost like a precursor to a will, too. It starts to let people know what do they want. And I just love it because it's all centered around these family stories, these family histories. And it's positive. It's amazing to hear the stories of your loved ones that like you didn't know. There's always a picture of grandma when she was like smoking hot. She was 18, wearing a skirt that's too short. And smoking a cigarette next to some boy that's not grandpa. That's always awesome. Because, wait a minute, who is that? And then and I had that happen in a house a couple of years ago. And a lady, oh, that's Fernando. She's like, Who's was my lover. And she tells us this great story of this Latin lover named Fernando. And it's this little old lady. And you're like, her daughter is like stuck. Could not believe any of these stories. She's like, you're smoking a cigarette? Those are the types of items I want people to show and talk about. Because that... No one cares that grandma's holding her purse in the corner like at Thanksgiving because she's afraid a family member is going to steal it. That's not. Grandma was that badass back in the 50s. And that's what I want to see. And that's what Legacy List is about. And I'm telling you, everybody's got one in their house. Every single person. Everybody does. It's just in the attic or it's in the guest room closet. Everybody has a cool grandma. Everyone has a cool grandpa. And there's a few items that'll tell you that lead to those stories. You just got to stop and listen.
0: What I love about all of that is that creating a legacy list is a lesson in intentionality, right? It's deciding those possessions that mean the most to you And then it's about taking them out of the attic or taking them out of that box in the basement that's all musty and dusty and really bringing them to the forefront of your life. If those are the items that you want to save, if your house is on fire, they should not be in a box. (laughs) They should be out and they should be a part of your daily life. And so I really, I'm thinking about my own legacy list as you're talking. What would I, what should I bring out of the basement and put in my home and share with my children? Before we say goodbye, Matt, I want you to tell us about your new book and where my listeners can find it.
1: Okay. I got to add one more thing you just said. I want everybody to take that stuff out of the basement and put it in their house. But here's the best part. You got to get rid of something of the same size. You got to get rid of it so you can make room for that thing in your house. So as a minimalist, I know all my little techniques are just sneaking intentional, living into it, right? And it's easy for people that are not minimalist, but like you have to make space for the things that are important in your life, physical and emotional. And attaching those memories to the stuff makes it easier to let go of the crap that doesn't matter. Right? You don't need the National Geographics. Guess what? They're not worth anything. Get rid of them and let's put something on that shelf. Right?
0: You're speaking to my husband again because he also has an awful lot of National Geographics.
1: Yeah, they're not worth anything, guys. I'm sorry. I've seen a bunch of them. You can recycle them. That's it. That's really all there. Because they're all online now. Yeah, we don't need them. All right. So where do we, the book, it's really, you can tell I'm very passionate what I do. The book is a, it's a great book. It goes through my 20 year career and I give you all my tips and we follow a, one of my families, a family that I've helped along the way. We, each chapter, each tip, we show a family that really followed that. It's it really, is just a guide of if you're downsizing or decluttering, it gives you everything that you need to know. And then my favorite part is the resources section that I, I list the top hundred items that people always call me about. And I tell you where you can donate it or where you can sell it.
0: What I love about your book is that it is a story, but it's more like a guide. There's tips there. You've married the two so perfectly. And if anybody has not seen your appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live, I'm gonna add that to the show notes as well. Because when I watched that for the first time, I was crying, laughing. Like what was up with that duck? <laughs> I don't know.
1: Dude, so if you don't know, there's, it, Jimmy Kimmel called me to clean one of his offices. And I had met Jimmy years ago, and he's like, I'm going to call you someday. And he did. I couldn't believe it. And I go in there, and this guy had no idea we were coming. So it's actually the worst way to clean someone's face is surprising them. And the poor guy, was a, he's a comedic genius. And so he knew this was a good bit. But he really didn't want to let go of any of his stuff. And so I had to use all my techniques on the fly, and it's really funny. If you want to watch my show, you can go to MyLegacyList.com, MyLegacyList.com. The first two seasons are for free on there, or you can watch it on PBS really anytime.
0: Matt, this was such an enjoyable conversation. You've given me a lot of suggestions to enact with my husband, the hoarder in my own home. And I just want to thank you so much for giving me your time. I wish you the best of luck with your new book. And I look forward to continuing to follow your work. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Listeners, that's a wrap. I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with Matt Paxton. I have linked to him. I have linked to his book. And most importantly, (laughs) you have homework. I have linked to his appearance on Jimmy Kimmel Live. If you're having a so-so day and you need to laugh, you need (laughs) to watch this clip. I was crying laughing. It's so funny. Show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 246. I will see you on Thursday where we are discussing the imperfect produce market, the ins and outs of all of that. I'll see you then. Take care.